Welcome, everyone. Again, welcome from me to Anthem. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Woo! All four of you are excited about the Super Bowl. That's awesome. Unless you're boycotting it like it's not even happening because the Patriots aren't in it. Just, just skip it this year. You know, I'll, or skip it because, yeah, exactly. What Super Bowl? Super Bowl that's happening. <laughs> Great. Well, today I wanted to start us off and end us, giving you the answers right at the beginning, and end us with a question. Ask a question, and then we're going to think about it together. So the question that I have for us this morning is this. Why are you here? Why are you here? Not here on earth, but why, why are you here today in church this Sunday morning? Why are you here today in church? And maybe you have, like, an answer that comes to mind right away. You're like, yeah, I know exactly why I'm here. I figured it out. Maybe you're like, I don't know. Maybe you're like, somebody brought me, and I don't know how I came here. Don't look at them right now. That's awkward. But may- maybe you know, maybe you don't. But I-, I pray that after our time together that either you have some, some new thoughts or some renewed thoughts about why you're here today. So sometimes things can get um, routine in our lives. This is, this is the way that it always goes. This is the way it always happens. It can become something that's like we don't even know why we still do it. Uh, it can happen in our lives too. Do you ever walk in a room and you're like, ah, I know I came in here for something, but like what was it that I was supposed to, right? Or have you ever opened your phone for something and you're like, I know why I went on my phone, and 30 minutes later, you're like, am I still watching cat videos on Facebook? Like, how did this happen? I know. There was something. I was looking up, and what what was it? I don't know. So this can also spill into our uh, English language also. Some things we're familiar with, but we don't necessarily know where they came from, why we say them. So I have a couple of uh, phrases, a couple of idioms for you. And um, I have some pictures up on the screen. See if you can uh, identify the, the idiom. And then I want to if you know where it comes from. So here's the first one. So who let the cat out of the bag? Anyone know where it's from? We all know what it means, but do we know where it's from? Thanks, Mickey. So in the 18th century, and a popular scheme was to replace the pig. Instead of having a pig in the bag, you would have a cat if you were cheating someone. And so to let the cat out of the bag was to expose this fraud of you were supposed to buy a pig and instead you bought a cat. So now you know. Who let the cat out of the bag? How about this one? Close but no cigar. Close but no cigar. So uh, carnivals used to give out cigars as their prizes. So if you're at a carnival and you're playing a game and you, you, but you didn't quite win the game, you were close but no cigar for you different than our giant stuffed animals of today, right? So how about this one? Bite the bullet. Bite the bullet. It comes from a a surgeon. Surgeon would, if they didn't have time to administer uh, the anesthesia before surgery, they would give you a bullet to bite down on. So I'm glad we moved past those days, right? Bite the bullet. How about this one? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. This one comes from the um, 1500s. Most people bathed once a year. 
Glad we moved beyond that habit also. So babies were also always bathed last. So by the time the baby, the baby was being washed, the water was like the color of the dirty baby. And so people had to, before they threw the water out, to make sure that the baby wasn't in the dirty water from one year taking a bath. Ooh, glad we moved towards that one. Past that one. How about this one? Don't spill the beans. Don't spill the beans. This one comes from Greece. In Greece, ancient Greece, uh, people voted with, with beans. That was how you cast your vote in a can of beans. And if somebody accidentally knocked over the can of beans, they would see, oh, who's actually winning the vote? Because you would see all the beans that were in the jar. Don't spill the beans to reveal something before it happens. So we have these, these common things in our, even our English language, and we're like, yeah, I know what that means if you say don't spill the beans, but to know where they came from or why, why, why do we even say them, what's the origin of them. So things can become, become familiar, but we don't really remember why, why they're familiar. And so that can be true also not only of those things, but it can become true of church. Is it just because it's such a familiar routine that this is what happens, that you just end up here on Sunday mornings, but you don't really remember why and why you came here? When, when the why gets lost, sometimes the purpose gets lost. Sometimes the intention gets lost when we lose the why. So how did the church even start? I mean, this wasn't my idea. This wasn't Liz and Collins' idea to, to, for church to happen. So where, where did it come from? Church is a concept from the Bible, but it, it's not something that people created. Church was God's idea. The word church first appears in the Bible in the, uh, when Jesus was on the earth, the account of Jesus. He used the word church. He was hanging out with his, uh, the people that he gathered around him, his disciples, and asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And they said, we believe you're the Savior, you're the Son of God. And he was like, you're right, and on this rock, I will build my church. And they were like, I don't know what that means, but that sounds great, so building my church. And that was the first time the church appeared in the Bible, the word church. Um, the church started, it didn't start then. Jesus didn't give us like a formula for it. He wasn't like, I will start my church, and there will be three to five worship songs, a short message, shaking of hands, and a great kids program. Like He didn't give us the formula for it. But that's where the church started. The church, it started at what's called Pentecost. It was 50 days after Easter, after the resurrection, um, that the church started. This is the, the story of the church starting. This is found in chapter 2 of Acts. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. These are the people who had um, followed Jesus during his time here on earth. They're all gathered in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came down to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this like crazy thing happens. There's this guy named Peter. He ends up preaching this really long sermon. You can read it. It's in Acts 2. Um, the, this incredible tongues of fire coming. People are like, what's happening? What's happening? Um, and the church is formed, and this is the end of his sermon. This happens. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And that is a story of the birth of the church, 
of 3,000 people, and then 2,000 years passed, and here we are today, Anthem Church. This is our beginning, and now we are those people that are gathered there together. The word church, it comes from two different Greek words, actual word. It means called out from the world for God. Um, Also, the term body of Christ shows up in the Bible, too, and that's synonymous with the word church. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. A church is, is never the pastor's church, the leader's church. This is Jesus's church. He says it's his church. Jesus is also the head of our church. This is in Colossians. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. The church is the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of the church. After its beginning... Sermon came, 3,000 people. After its beginning, the, the very early church, it looked like this. We have a, a story of what the church actually looked like. Here are these people gathered together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily to those who were being saved. So that's a picture of what the first church looked like the beginning, when the church actually started. And now, 2,000 leaves later, it, it's us. Like, we're that picture of the church, of what the church looks like. So, where are we today? Do we look like that part of that? It looked like that early church and the things they were doing, what they looked like. And I know that uh, not everyone's necessarily on board with church, and then I just told you it was Jesus' church, and maybe that feels more weird that you walked into Jesus' church today, higher stakes, but... Even if you're not on board with church or on board with Jesus or don't know what you think yet, um, there are uh, some things that if you are a follower of Jesus, that the church is a place that it's supposed to be. And so I have a list for you. It's not an all-encompassing list. There are a lot of things that the church should be, but here are a couple things that the church should be. So number one, the church should be a place of worship. Right? That's some of the things you think about when you first think of churches. It's a place of worship, a place where we, we sing, we worship through giving, we pray. Um, this is the, the greatest commandment. Jesus was asked on, during his time on earth, what's the, the greatest commandment that we should follow? And he said this. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So our, our first commandment, our first thing that we're asked to do is to love the Lord your God. And when we're in church as a place of worship, we're able to remember that, to tell God that we love him. We sing songs that, that worship is, is really just telling God how great he is, is what it boils down to. So it's us telling God who he is, our thankfulness to him. Um, worship reminder to put God first. I mean, I, I know I spend like six days the whole week being like, my life is about me. And then I come to church and I'm like, oh, my life is about God. He comes first in my life. But it's here, 
in this place that I can remember those things. So church is a place of worship. Second thing, church is a place to learn, to learn. We, we come, we learn more about who God is, those things about him. We learn about the ways that, the ways that he's interacted with people in the world, the, the um, stories of the history of him. We learn these different things. It's um, here that we also learn who we are. We're not going to know who we are unless we look at the, the being who created us to find our own purpose. The Bible says this in the book of Ecclesiastes. It says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the, heart, in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. He's placed eternity in the human hearts. Just because he's created us as humans, we have this thing inside of us that says, I know there's something more. Uh, maybe I don't know what it is, but I know there's something more to the world, to what I see, to what's around me. I know there's something more that's in there. And that's built in us because God has created us. And so we're able to learn who we are, who Jesus says we are, our purpose. And sometimes I think it's, it's crazy when people are, like, not interested in, in thinking about God or thinking about Christianity. Because I'm like, if, if they knew, you know, the first, what, we were created for God to love us. We have that sense of eternity in our hearts of something that's bigger than us. And that something that's bigging, bigger than us knows each of us personally and loves us. It's something that makes Christianity different from any other religion. It's not about earning something, but it's about how you were created to be loved, to be known and loved by God. I like, if, the, if that was even partially true, it's not worth even exploring at all what that could mean for your life what that means for who you are. But church is a place to learn and to learn those things. It's the third thing. Church is a place for fuel, for fuel in our life, encouragement in our life. The Bible is clear. Life is hard. And you can look outside. I mean, I don't, I don't, we can talk about it at some point, but I think that we're all going to agree life is hard. And the Bible specifically says the Christian life, living as a follower of Jesus, is going to be hard. The Bible compares life to, to a race. It compares life to a battle. It says the days are evil. The Bible's clear. Life is, is hard. But we come to church and we gain encouragement to live out our mission in the world. Jesus has given each of us. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been given a mission in the world. Jesus gave us a mission. It says here on his time on earth, he said this. And Jesus came to them, and he said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gave us a mission. We carry the hope of the world. But are we living out our life? in that mission, and remembering that, that that is our mission, that that is what he has given us to do on earth. Um, If you were here for our um, one-year anniversary celebration in October, we were given these keychains. You remember? Some of you hopefully have them. I hope some of you have them. Um, But that they they say one on them, and that was all for one year. But really this one was to, we were challenged to who in our life is our one that we are praying for, that we are building relationship with so that we can have spiritual conversations, that we can invite them to church. Who is our one? 
in our life that we are intentionally hoping to help them move, have spiritual conversations, move forward in spiritual steps? Who's our one? Have you been praying for your one since then? God has given us a mission in our life, and we come here to remember that. Um, honesty moment for, for me um, for a moment, because I know you all came here to hear me confess my honesty moments. But um, sometimes I feel like I'm not a very good Christian sometimes. I really can struggle with knowing how to be in spiritual conversations, how to have conversations with my one, how to be praying for them. And I, I feel like there's a lot of, of ones in my life, and they're just disinterested. And it's like their life doesn't really, really look like they need Jesus. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't really know how to talk to them. Sometimes I even struggle to say I work at a church because I'm like, I don't really know how to. This happens at CrossFit all the time because you meet new people, and somebody will be like, hey, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I work at this new church. And they're like, that's, that's great. I'm going to go lift some weights over here. It's like a, it can be like a conversation killer to know. And I'm like, I know I should say something, but what do I say? I don't want to be like too pushy, but not, not pushy enough. I want to invite you, but what do you, I don't know. And so I can, I can have this tension of like, what do I say? And I don't want to be one of those Christians, you know, that people are like the judgmental turn and burn, like you better get into church or, you know, bad things are going to happen in your life. I'm like, I'm not that Christian, but I, I do want you to come to church because it's good and oh, Jesus, hope of the world. I don't know. I get awkward. I get awkward when I'm trying to talk about Jesus. And I can get really discouraged, especially when I feel like my ones are not interested in Jesus. I can get really discouraged by that and lose a lot of hope. But being able to come to church and remember my life is on mission, just like all these other people around me, and they, they know it's hard, but that together, like, we can do this. We can live life on mission as we go to be bringing people the hope of the world that we have. So church is a place of fuel to live out our mission for the week. Church is also a place of community, right, which is one that we probably think of also pretty fast community it's a place of being together we're all gathered here together we just had to awkwardly shake hands with people like you know other people are in the room it's a place of community together um that when jesus was asked about that that first greatest commandment he also gave us the second greatest commandment which says this jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself all the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So not only just loving God, but to love people. And here, when we gather together as a place, we learn to love each other, to love other people. We learn to love unlovely people. Also, don't look at them. That's awkward. If you don't know any unlovely people, I'm not saying it's you. <laughs> However, we learn to love here in community. We're able to show up and be there for each other. People have been uh, cooking meals for Damien and Vanessa and their new little baby. People showed up to help uh, the Harfields move to their new house. It's part of being in community where we love other people, and that's a place the church should be in community. Um, it's also for encouraging one another, like I was talking about. This is in Hebrews. Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. I need, I need you to encourage me in dealing with my ones and the ways that I struggle to talk to them. I, we're all here to encourage each other to continue on in our mission, to spur one another on to good deeds. The church is a place of community. And here's my fifth one. The church is a place of refuge. And what I mean by refuge is a church is a place of comfort in weariness, comfort in brokenness. Jesus says, take my yoke upon me. It's, it's easy. My burden is light. The church should be a place of, of care. Jesus was gentle. He's a lot of things, but one thing Jesus was was, was gentle. In the, the book of Isaiah, it, it talked about Jesus in this way. It says, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice, a bruised reed. Have you ever felt like a bruised reed in your life, ever? And you're like, just one more thing, one more thing, and the whole, the whole reed is going down as a bruised reed. And Jesus said, a bruised reed he will not break. The church is a place to bring our weariness and to find comfort and to find rest. It's a place of peace. I, need, I know I need a place of peace in my life, in the world, and this is a place of real peace. And the world is looking for real peace, for sure. And this is where we have it, real peace. The church is a place of refuge. I've been, for the last six months, attending a Celebrate Recovery step study. Um, if you're not familiar with Celebrate Recovery, it's a Christian-based um, 12-step program. Um, they break it down to eight principles, and a step study is a group of um, either men with men or women with women, a small group. There's 10 of us in the group, and we go through um, each of those steps and work them out in our, in our life, um, which has been an incredible experience to, to go and do every week for the last six months. I still have probably about six months left to go in working through all the steps, um, but it's been incredible. The, the church that I experience uh, that hour and a half every week is incredible. We, we know why we're there with intention. We know why we're there. We do the work to be there, the homework. We lead with our, our brokenness and vulnerability so there's not judgment. You start, you introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Ashley. I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm in recovery for sexual brokenness, for dysfunctional relationships, and for the effects of mental illness. We lead with what we feel most vulnerable about so that we create that community together. We're there for each other. We're there to learn. All of those, those five things that I experienced in that group, because of those things, it's incredible. It's an incredible view of church. And that picture that I see there is, is not just for recovery meeting. It's for what the church should look like. And, and I'm not saying, like, every week we should start with, like, the deepest, darkest part of us. Like, hey, shake hands with people, you, people around you and, and tell the, the darkest, deepest sin that you did this week and just be honest. I'm not suggesting we move to that, that level of sharing, not necessarily <laughs> that's a whole new level. I mean, if you want to, that's great, but I'm not asking that you actually do that. Uh, but that we come with this intention at the same time, that we come with this intention that, that we're able to say, I'm going to bring my real self to church today whatever that looks like, wherever I'm at. I'm going to bring my real self to church. Not my A game to church, but 
I'm going to bring my real, in that group, we bring our real selves. What is keeping you from bringing your real self to church today? The real part of you and showing up and engaging in that way with our real selves to church. And there's, there's a lot of things that can keep me from bringing my real self to church. Um, uh, a couple of months ago, I went with my friend to visit her brother. Her brother's a tattoo artist. And so we went to his place, and we're, we're driving there, and I'm going with her. And she said, have you ever been to a tattoo place? And she wasn't saying it like, have you ever been to Chick-fil-A? Have you ever seen this thing? She, was, she wasn't saying it like that. She was like, uh, are you going to be okay in this tattoo place? And so that's the way she was saying it to me. And I was like, it's going to be fine. I got my nose pierced in a tattoo place. I've been there with my friends. It's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. So. We get in there, we're going up there, and I'm like praying in my I'm like, dear God, just please make me normal. Just let me not, not say anything, like just please be with me, and that I just am like so casual in this place, like I belong when I'm like, I don't belong. I know I don't belong, and I feel it like every moment I'm in here, I don't belong. And like, just please let me be normal, let me be normal, and I think I did a good job. I don't know. We've never talked about it because I haven't ever said that to her out loud, that I felt that way, but... I, and I made it through, but I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I made it through that experience, but it was great. I, I loved it. It was great to be there, but I thought about it, and I was like, that is how some people feel when they walk into church. That, like, level of uncomfortableness, like, I know I don't belong here. I, I look different. I hope people don't notice that I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't read the Bible. I never have. I hope, you, I hope people don't ask, like, what I believe or uh, if they knew that I had questions, you know, people will walk into church and, and feel that level of, of uncomfortableness, of unfamiliarity, and that can keep people from bringing their real selves to church, that uncomfortableness, or something that's not safe. There have definitely been times, if you haven't experienced it, that you've heard the church can be an unsafe place. And has sometimes hurt can happen in the church, and that is really sad to me. And I, I pray that that does not happen here at Anthem. People are people, hurt people, hurt people. So I, we can't ever promise that people won't hurt each other. But the church has, in some some ways, um, become an unsafe place for people, and it keeps people from bringing their real selves to church in an unsafe place. For me, there can be lots of reasons why I don't bring my real self to church. Sometimes I'm just tired. I'm like, I don't really want to see people, but I have to be here. So, hey, how you doing? But I just am like tired. It's, it's not like big and spiritual. It just sometimes that's, that's why I don't bring my real self to church. I, I mean, sometimes it is something that's maybe big and spiritual. I'm like feeling off that day or I'm having like a a mental illness day, and I'm like, I just feel like no, nobody wants Ashley without her mask on right now. Like, I know. You don't really want to know how I'm doing. And so why would I share with you? But this, this sense of, like, I'm alone. I feel judgment from people. I mean, really, I have questions still about God. Remember, not always a very good Christian. I already confessed to you, so I don't have to confess to you again. But I have questions about God about ways I feel like he's let me down in my life, when my life is different 
than I thought it would be. Places I, I wanted him to show up, and I feel like he didn't. I don't understand everything about God, for sure. Like, I have doubts. Sometimes I have anger in my heart towards God, towards a situation. Like, I don't always come to church feeling like everything is great. But it's, it's in spite of those things when I come to church and I choose to be brave. I choose to be brave and I choose to open up my heart and to ask questions for this to be a place. I don't, I don't shy away from them, but I, I ask them. I enter into that with Jesus. I'm able to express to him what, what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. I'm able to bring my real self to church. And it takes courage. It does take bravery. It takes intention. But those are choices that I make here in church because of the, the place that it is to enter in, to open up, to get out of my head, to sing songs that, that recalibrate me, to tell me what I know, to remember about my mission, to remember what I do know about God and how I love him, reaffirms those things, resets me for the rest of the week despite questions if I'm willing to engage and open up my heart and to really be there. Something regardless of what you believe about God, about church, about religion, whatever. Regardless of that, there's something we should all have in common when we walk into church. And what we should all have in common is the church is a place without fear. Regardless of what you believe, the church should be a place we can walk into without fear as a safe place. And today or anytime you walk into church, if, if you're living in a state of thanksgiving and joyfulness, that God has shown up in your life, things are going great, whatever it is, share those things. I want to hear about them. I want to share with you when God is doing things in my life, when things are happening. And church doesn't have to be serious. Like, let's celebrate. The Bible's clear. We mourn with those who mourn. We celebrate with those who celebrate. If you've been seeing miracles in your life, if God has shown up, if you're just feeling thankful about your life right now, share that. People need you to share your encouragement where you are. That, that's, people need that. We need each other to hear those things. So if you are, are feeling that thankfulness, share it. Share it with someone. Be that person who makes that connection. Be willing to be awkward about it. Have conversations. You know, it, it, kinda, it goes like this. Hey, we've been sitting across the row in church for the last three months, but I don't know your name because I haven't asked. My name's Ashley. What's your name? Really simple. It doesn't have to be a deep conversation that you get in with everyone, but have a conversation. Get outside yourself. Share that sort of encouragement. Hey, how did you get to Anthem? Hey, how was your week? Something. I don't, I don't know your name. Maybe you've been here longer than I have. I don't know, but this is my name. And there's definitely some weeks or some times in my life I've come to church, and I'm like, I want to talk to no one. And no one better ask who I am because, like, you never know what's going to happen. I don't know. I just want to, like, get in. I want to get out. That's all I want. Like, nobody, like... Maybe if I even leave before the last song, like, I really will have to speak to no one. And there's definitely times in my life where I have felt like that. And if that's where you're at today, this is not a message of shame of what you should be doing or of uh, that you should go outside yourself and, and talk to someone even if you don't feel like it. It's, there's, no, there's no right or wrong answer to why you're here. This is not, don't feel that shame for me of, like, just one other thing that you got to do when you get here, for sure. If that's where you're at, walk in and walk out. 
whatever, wherever you are, that is fine. But some of us need to step outside our comfort zone and take that step to have a conversation, to just step up a little bit more and to get outside of ourselves. People, it can be so easy sometimes to walk in and walk out and just come to church, check the box. It's become routine. It's become familiar. It's become, it's just Sunday morning, and that's why I'm here. But we can choose instead to open our hearts, to open our hearts, to be brave, to ask questions, to not know what's happening, to, to not know if you're on board with everything, or to, to be thankful, to sing. We're singing these great songs. Do you even remember the words to the songs that you sang like 20 minutes ago? To sing the actual words to the songs, not just to sing the, the whatever's up there and not even know, not let it get into your heart, but to open your heart to bring your real self to church, whatever that is, as the church should be a safe place, but to show up and to step out and to be here. So at the beginning of the message, I asked you a question, and I want to ask it again. Why are you here? Why are you here today? The band's going to come up, and as the band is coming up, if, if you're still not sure why, that's okay. Really, I don't need to know why you're here. I just want you to know why you're here. And if you don't know, just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. Something's going to happen. You're going to realize something eventually. So if you, if you still don't know, that's okay. Again, there's no shame in where you should be. But if you do know why you're here today, if you do know why you're here today as a follower of Jesus, we're going to sing another song, and I want to challenge you to open up your heart, to bring your real self to church today, to sing the words, to think about what you're singing. If you don't believe them yet, you don't have to sing them. That's fine. There's really no judgment. It's wherever you're at. If you're judging someone else, stop judging them. That's your fault. But there's no judgment. You don't have to sing them. But if you do know them, sing the words. Show up. Be here. Be brave. And bring your real self to church. Mm -hmm.